0: it's midday magazine for friday september 1st i'm hannah floor school started tuesday for most students in petersburg several new teachers are joining the petersburg school district this year kfsk is airing conversations with some of those teachers during the first week of school jolene norman is petersburg's new first grade teacher she moved here from dutch harbor where she taught for two years norman was has a background in social work But during a stint as a nanny in New York City, she realized she wanted to work with kids She talked with KFSK about why she loves teaching younger elementary school students.
1: I love that they enjoy coming to school. Like they're very excited to come and they're excited about learning, not just seeing their friends, but they're excited like when they learn something new, that's really big to them and they're definitely excited about it and ready to come the next day and do it again. Hmm. so and they're also at an age where it's like they want to kind of please you in a way so like they're like okay that's what we're gonna do yep this is the thing in the classroom yep that's what i'm gonna do
2: yeah so
0: it's definitely nice they haven't gotten that sort of rebellious push nope, back at that's all. like
1: fourth fifth grade
0: yeah <laughs> um what's your teaching style
1: For the most part, I'm definitely a type B teacher. I'm a go with the flow type. You will not come in my class and see everything perfectly organized. So I'll let you know that right now. I'm definitely a type B teacher. Um, I think sometimes when parents see me, like my face kind of gives off a neutral thing. But then once you get to know me, like it's a lot of fun in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So um, I think kids get to know that, too. Right, They know, like, we can have fun, we can do this, but these are the expectations in class and we're not going to cross
0: those expectations. Mm. So, Is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to this year?
1: Yeah, I'm just looking forward to getting to know the families and the community. Um, I coached basketball last year in Dutch Harbor and I came here for basketball tournament and I fell in love with the place. I loved it. I loved that the band was there playing. That was probably one of my favorite things about the game. It made me feel like I was really back in the competitive nature and everything of sports. Because, you know, living out in rural Alaska, you're not really getting your fix. Mm -hmm. And so, like, being there, I was like, oh, my gosh, this feels really great to be in this atmosphere.
0: Yeah. Well, good. People are into basketball, and it's competitive. (laughs) Um, So after you came here, did you start looking at job postings and found one here.
1: Yes, and got an interview, and the interview, I was like, this is the place I want to be.
0: Yeah. How do you know that you are succeeding in the classroom? I think
1: each year, it's really different with your students, because every group of students is different, but I think for the most part, it's that kids are willing to fail to know that in the end that they're going to succeed. In kindergarten, it's it's a struggle to start reading you know they come in and they don't know their alphabet or the sounds and they're they're struggling and then they keep going and they see like oh my gosh now i'm reading this and they're they're like i'm going to be able to read that book and so they keep pushing because they're like i want to be able to read that book on my own and so just the willingness to know like in our classroom it's safe we can fail and we're just going to keep pushing through it
0: Mm. how do you gain the kids trust at the beginning of the year when they first come in and they don't know you
1: it's a really good question, because I think that you can't really do any learning in the classroom until you both have trust with each other. So that first, especially week of school, is really about creating relationships with the kids and getting to know them and allowing them to know you, because it's also good for them to know, like, each of their teachers is going to be very different. Right. And so just like all my students are very different every year. So we spend a lot of time getting to know each other, and then that way I can kind of build on what I'm going to do in class based on their interests, based on how they react to certain things, and that kind of creates a culture of learning in the classroom.
0: That was new first grade teacher Jolie Norman. KFSK has been airing conversations with new teachers during this first week of school, and those conversations can be found at kfsk.org. The Alaska Board of Education voted unanimously yesterday to approve a ban on trans athletes participating in girls' high school sports. The change will apply to all public high schools in the state. Board member Jeff Erickson was among those who spoke in favor of the regulation, citing safety and fairness concerns. I'm not convinced that there isn't a potential safety issue, or I am convinced there is a physiological difference for sure. Um, I think there's some unfairness. I think the federal law at present protects
3: women's sports.
0: The regulation says that schools that participate in the Alaska School Activities Association, the governing body for high school sports, must limit participation on high school athletic teams to, quote, females who were assigned female at birth. Board Chair James Fields noted that an appeal process is in place and says that athletes who identify as intersex or athletes who transitioned before puberty could be eligible for a waiver. The board did not take public comment during the special meeting, and student advisor Felix Myers was the only board member who spoke in opposition to the proposed change. Myers said he felt like the regulation was a distraction and that the board should fo- refocus their priorities to train coaches to recognize the signs of eating disorders that plague young athletes.
3: This has not been an issue that's occurred it doesn't
2: seem like this is a problem that we need to fix currently
0: according to asa officials native youth olympics and downhill skiing are the only two sports that are not sanctioned by asa and would not be subject to the regulation the board passed a resolution in support of the change in march and put the changes up for public comment in june at a july meeting the board decided to postpone action to answer additional questions posed by over 1400 pages of written testimony submitted by members of the public. The Matsu School District has the only trans ban in effect in Alaska prior to the board's vote. There are currently 19 states with active bans on trans athletes competing in sports that match their gender identity. Courts in four other states are deciding the fate of similar bans. The Transportation Safety Board released its findings Wednesday for a Kodiak fishing boat that capsized northeast of the village of Karluk around this time last year. The Challenger was a total loss, and damages were more than half a million dollars, although no injuries or pollution were reported from the incident. According to the report, the boat's captain told NTSB investigators he knew there was a submerged rock in the area, but did not mark where in his charts. The report said he wanted to be closer to the shore for better fishing and to avoid harsh weather. In their report, NTSB staff cited the sinking could have been prevented with multiple watertight compartments to help keep water from filling the hull. Marine hazards like uncharted and submerged rocks can be reported to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The trial for Jeffrey Foltz still has not been scheduled. Foltz is a former Juno Area chiropractor accused of sexually assaulting fourteen patients. It's been more than two years since he was first charged. District Attorney Jessalyn Gillum says that the long wait for trial is partially due to the fact that so many more victims have come forward.
1: And every time someone new steps forward, their you know, the investigation into their particular allegation has to be done appropriately and thoroughly.
0: Fultz worked for the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH, for seven years. After an initial accusation in 2021, a total of 14 women have come forward to say that Fultz assaulted them under the guise of medical care. The most recent accusations came out in March. Fultz now faces 19 counts of felony sexual assault and misdemeanor harassment. Some of those charges are for alleged assaults that date back to 2014.
1: And we have a, a large interest in, ta- in trying to get that um, finality for the victims um, and their families. But that's not the only thing we can consider. We recognize that having the case open um, often causes the complainant's ongoing stress and anxiety of not really knowing when the
0: case will go to trial. Gillum says another factor could delay the trial even more. The judge assigned to the case, Daniel Shawley, retired at the end of August. Gillum says that means the case will be passed on to another judge. Fultz has been living in his home in Durango, Colorado. He left Juneau after the first accusations. In 2021, he was ordered not to practice medicine and to turn over his passport. Betsy Holly with the Department of Corrections says that a pretrial monitoring officer is in regular contact with Durango Police and with Foltz. She says if there are any issues, Foltz will be returned to Alaska. Foltz's next readiness hearing is November 15th. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has denied a petition to put Southeast Alaska wolves on the endangered species list. It's a blow for the environmental groups groups seeking the designation. But as Sage Smiley reports from Wrangell, the decision vindicates widespread testimony of hunters and wildlife managers in the region.
3: Southeast Alaska's wolf population could decline in the next 30 years, according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. One part of the population located on and around Prince of Wales Island could even die off completely. But that doesn't mean the wolves warrant a place on the federal endangered species list. In late August, Fish and Wildlife denied a petition to list Alexander Archipelago wolves as endangered or threatened. That population includes all of southeast Alaska. Erin Knoll is an endangered species coordinator with the Fish and Wildlife Service in Alaska.
2: Endangered is is the species in danger of extinction throughout all of its range or throughout a significant portion of its range? And then threatened is, is the species in danger of extinction in the foreseeable future? Um, so it's not just like a little less endangered, it's what does it look like in the future? So for Alexander Archipelago Wolf, we did not find, the service did not find that the species meets the definition of either threatened or endangered.
3: Fish and Wildlife estimates there are around 2,200 Alexander Archipelago wolves alive today, living mostly in southeast Alaska, with the remainder in coastal British Columbia. Noel says Fish and Wildlife's ruling is notable because it's one of the first times the agency has relied heavily on indigenous species knowledge to help inform a decision.
2: Indigenous knowledge holders played a big role in the information in the species status assessment by helping us fill some pretty big knowledge gaps.
3: Like where the wolves in the northern part of the region tend to frequent and what they like to eat. It's the third time the agency has declined to list southeast wolves as endangered, and that denial vindicates the long-standing position of state wildlife managers. We've always maintained that the populations in southeast are not endangered, at a risk of um, going extinct. Ryan Scott is the acting director for the Alaska Department of Fish and Games Division of Wildlife Conservation. The other extenuating factors, you know, forest practices, other resource uses and and climate change that were noted in the petition. We just have not seen that translated to a reduction in wolf numbers. And Scott says Southeast communities and resource users, quote, overwhelmingly condemned the petition to list Alexander Archipelago wolves as endangered. Tim O'Connor is one. He's the mayor of Craig, a town of about a thousand people on Prince of Wales Island. Earlier this year, O'Connor signed a petition opposing the designation.
2: It would have curtailed uh, most uh, or almost all logging activity in the forest, as well as, I believe, it would have endangered the ability to subsistence deer hunt and hunt as we do or have for years down here.
3: O'Connor says he got the sense that the push to list the wolves came from outside the state.
2: It's just an attempt that somebody from another state trying to regulate that because they destroyed their own backyards and now they want to mess around in ours. I do oppose that kind of opposition.
3: The Center for Biological Diversity is a national conservation nonprofit, and one of the petitioners requesting the wolf population be considered endangered or threatened. Cooper Freeman is a representative for the Alaska chapter. He says the denied petition is a disappointment.
2: We think that Department of Fish and Games' management objective of 150 to 200 wolves is not sustainable and that their population estimates aren't credible. And we're just absolutely concerned about the state's aggressive push to increase old-growth logging on Prince of Wales. And,
1: you know, as threats from old-growth logging by the state, unrestricted hunting and trapping and climate change
2: escalate, Um, this is one of the key tools we have to fight for the wolves.
3: Freeman says his organization is still reviewing the impacts of the decision and doesn't know if they'll appeal or submit another petition in the future. But, he says, the concern remains. Scott, the state wildlife conservation director, says the denied petition to list southeast wolves won't immediately result in change to the state's management.
2: But we're always changing.
3: You know, as we learn more, we will adapt our management to better address wolf populations. But as of now, what we're doing is working and we're not seeing, uh, you know, a decline in wolf numbers based on our current management strategies. Although the wolves haven't been listed as endangered or threatened now, Noel, the Endangered Species Coordinator with Fish and Wildlife, says petitions do bring to light the issues with declining species and can help prompt conservation and restoration efforts.
2: Nobody wants a species to be listed as threatened or endangered, right? Like, that's the worst-case scenario that we've gotten to there. So what are things that we can do or work with others to stop that from happening. And she says the decision doesn't bar the
3: wolves from the endangered species list forever. Anyone could petition Fish and Wildlife to list the Alexander Archipelago wolves at any time in the future, and the process would begin again. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley.
0: For KFSK, I'm Hannah Flor.